Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Litmer, one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And with the shadow of death hanging ever so grimly over him, and with the cross looming ominously less than 24 hours away, Jesus partook of what has come to be called the Last Supper with his apostles. We know that at this time there was the institution of the Lord's Supper. We know of the tremendous lesson Jesus taught concerning humility and service through the washing of his apostles' feet and then the application that he made of that act. But there is so much more to that supper than we know. Things that serve to illuminate for us the great, almost incomprehensible depth of the love that Jesus has for mankind. Truly, it was an event whose full significance we will probably never completely understand this side of heaven. I want us to spend some time in this episode in John 13, specifically the first four verses, and I want us to notice four things that we are told Jesus knew. The knowing these things adds such intensity such pathos to the supper itself and to the events that followed it. Let's read John chapter 13 verses 1 through 4. There the Bible tells us, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, loved them to the end. During the supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from the supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. The first thing that I want us to notice is found in verse 1. We are told that Jesus knew that his hour had come that he would depart out of this world to the Father. He knew that the time of his death had arrived. When we think about it, that is knowledge that is wisely hidden from us. We don't know when we are going to die, but Jesus did. He knew the hour, and I believe the very minute. So many times in the earlier parts of the gospel we read of Jesus departing from this place having performed some miracle or miracles and telling his people not to speak of it because his hour was not yet come. Well now it was here and the Lord knew it. Not only did Jesus know that the time had arrived, he knew the circumstances of it. He knew that it would be by crucifixion with all the physical pain, public shame, and insult that went with that. And when we think about it, he conducted his whole life with that knowledge. 
Did you ever stop to think about how it affected him? In John chapter 12, verses 23 through 28, we read, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serve me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. A little later on in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed in Mark chapter 14 and verse 36, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knew, and yet he continued on. The hour had arrived, so to speak. The breach with the authorities was complete. The traitor, his own familiar friend with whom he had eaten, was poised and ready to act. Jesus knew that his glorification was to be accomplished not by continued ministry, but by death and departure. Not by public acclaim, but by humiliation and public shame. Is anybody able to comprehend and understand that kind of love? Is there anyone so cold-hearted and hard-hearted as not to be affected by this? For the second of the four things we are told that Jesus knew there in the beginning of John 13, we skip down to verse 3 where we find that Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. Think about that all things into his hands. That renders what Jesus was about to undergo all the more incredible. In the hour of his suffering and humiliation, Jesus knew full well that in his hands resided all power. He knew that his was a supreme and universal sway and that at any time he had the ability to stop it all. Consider a well-known event and statement found in Matthew 26, verses 51 through 54. The passage says, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say that it must be this way? Consider also John ten seventeen and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. 
everything that was happening was within our Lord's control. Yet he continued on. And we simply must ask ourselves why. And the answer is so profoundly simple and yet so profoundly complex. Jesus knew that by allowing what was happening to happen, he was making salvation possible for all men. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus said, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. John's explanation of this statement is found in verse 33. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he was to die. In John 3:14 through 17, we find the Lord saying, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Just think of John chapter 8 and verse 28 where Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. What greater manifestation of love could there possibly have been than with the ability to stifle as he had for Jesus to continue on. The Lord himself said in John 15 and verse 13, Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. In light of that statement, just contemplate the meaning of Paul's well-known words found in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, where we read, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love has no man than to die for his friends. Yet Jesus died for those who were most decidedly not his friends. Indeed, he died for the very ones throwing insults and abuse in his face. For the very ones who threw his body onto the ground, stretched out his arms and legs, and drove nails through his hands and feet. He died for us whose sins put him there. Through it all, it was voluntary. He had the power to stop it and effectively consign all of us to hell eternally. This gives a depth of meaning to what he did that is almost unfathomable. The third thing that we are told Jesus knew is also found in verse 3 of John 13. We are told that Jesus knew that he had come forth from God. An interesting sideline of our study of these verses involves the word translated as knowing in verse 3. It declares that these things that Jesus knew were matters of absolute intuitive knowledge, not the result of experience. In other words, Jesus did not come to know these things. He knew all these facts about himself, knowing who he was and where he came from makes the events of the supper itself and those that followed it even more significant. 
When I think of what Jesus left to come and stand on the threshold of excruciating death for me, my heart breaks. Just think of John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not only did he come from God, Jesus was God. Consider the awe-inspiring words of Jesus in John 17, verses 1 through 5. Part of a prayer uttered, I believe, immediately following the Last Supper on the way to the garden where he would be betrayed, the Garden of Gethsemane. This is what the passage says. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourselves, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus left the state of glory which was his to bring himself to the state of the lowest of household servants as he bent to wash the feet of his apostles and to the state of death reserved by Rome for the worst of the worst of its criminals. We must look at what is perhaps my favorite passage of scripture and what I believe is the key to living faithfully as a Christian, but make sure we consider it in the context of this episode. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, being equal with God, indeed, being God. He left his state of glory to come to this earth of pain and suffering, to walk the path to Calvary literally from the manger in Bethlehem. Again, as I find myself doing so often in the study of the life of Christ, I must ask the question, why? Well, look at Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He did it for us. Again, the depths of that love that kept Jesus resolutely on the path, through the trials, through the hatred, through the abuse, the suffering, even ultimately death, yet all the while knowing full well where he had come from and what he had left to come here, well, that's beyond the limited capacity of my understanding and appreciation. The fourth thing is also found in John 13 and verse 3. We are told that Jesus knew that he was going back to God. This brings to my mind the statement that Jesus made in John 14 verses 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Did you ever stop to think that in addition to the knowledge that his death would be of the greatest possible benefit for man, that this may have been one of the factors that made the impending suffering and humiliation endurable. He knew that his death was not going to be the cessation of existence or the end of life. He spoke of it as a departure, and his destination was his father. He was going home. Jesus knew that his death was quintessentially a beginning. Do you remember what was written in John chapter 2, verses 19 through 22? This is what we find. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It took 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Jesus knew that by his resurrection from the dead, he would be declared to be the Son of God in an absolutely indisputable way. From studying in the book of Romans, we find in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, Paul making the very point when writing about Jesus and saying, who was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. According to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. And let me say this, Jesus knew where he would end up. Look with me at Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 33. That's Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 33. The passage says, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Jesus knew he was going home, there to reign until he delivers the kingdom back up to the Father. All of these things contained in just three short verses. So the next time you contemplate what Jesus has done for us, and I pray that it is something you do often. Remember that he knew that the time of his death had arrived and what the circumstances of that death were going to be. He knew all along as well that he had within himself the power to stop it, and he did not. And all the while he knew what he had left in order to willingly come to this earth and endure it. But at the same time, he knew that in the end, he was going home and making ready a place for us to join him there. Who can fully comprehend the love of Christ for us, and who can turn a deaf ear and a cold heart to it?
the things that Jesus knew, words to think about. Thanks for listening.